0: Schwab Asset Management is proud to support the Inside ETFs podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, they offer low-cost core ETFs for building the foundation of a diversified portfolio. Their focused lineup, which includes market cap index and strategic beta ETFs, is a reflection of a commitment to deliver exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com forward slash ETFs. Hello and welcome to Inside ETFs, the podcast where we bring the latest and greatest ETF industry perspectives directly to you through in-depth conversations with key thought leaders from across the ETF ecosystem. I'm your host, Douglas Jonas, the head of exchange-traded products at the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. Now, today I'm joined by Arna Nowak. He is the head of systematic investment solutions for the Americas. Arna joined DWS in 2007 and prior to his current role. He was the head of ETF product development for EMEA, covering ETFs as well as non-listed structured funds for both institutional as well as private client distribution. And of course, many of the advisors out there are very familiar with the DWS lineup of ETFs, either under the name DWS, of course, their brand name, the X-Trackers Funds. Arna, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. It's really a pleasure. Arna, I want to start at the beginning. How is it you sort of ended up in the ETF industry? How you were here in the States? You know, when you sort of look back at your career, was there a spot that was really a pivotal point that you look at and say, boy, that, that's really kind of how I ended up in this spot? Very interesting, Doug. And and thank you for giving me the opportunity to reminisce
1: a little bit here. So so sort of going back in time, back to 2007, I was fresh out of university, April 2007, and I joined Deutsche Bank at the time in London. And the, the team that I joined happened to be tasked at the time to set up our ETF business regionally in Europe. I have to also admit that when I joined that team, I did not know what an ETF was. I had never heard the acronym e t and f at all and and so the learning curve for me was very very steep and talking about the pivotal moments, there were several in particular the first one was the onset of the global financial crisis in you know two thousand and seven and then two thousand and eight and the first half of two thousand and nine which really proved to be a, a a boon for ETf investments globally so We were very successful in in Europe, launching our strategy there. And then fast forward 2015, I was asked to join the team here in the U.S. as uh, the lead for product development. And in February 2015, I happily obliged and, and joined the team here in the U.S. to help with the build out. That for me was another one of those pivotal moments because the eight years that I had spent in London, I both could apply to some degree here in the US because of course I was very familiar with the with the ETF market in general however also recognized how important regional differences and a regional differentiation in terms of overall business strategy is because although you know ETFs in Europe and ETFs here in the US have a high degree of similarity, the underlying market, the market structure, the use cases, the clients who use them, the exposures that end in, that are in demand, all of those nuances can be substantially different. And the idea that I had personally uh, was that I could, you know, transpose some of the strategies that we had success with in Europe over here. And I very quickly learned that it's not as simple as that. So for me, the last Seven years uh, here in New York have been a great learning experience. I I personally have the ambition to always be as humble as I can that I, you know, come in with a, with a beginner's mind, as they say, uh, because, you know, I am a foreigner here. I I did not grow up in the the U.S. market. And so I have a lot to learn and and I want to make sure that I learn these lessons well and, and apply you know, our team's talents, our hard work and our efforts to the best of, of our abilities uh, for the benefit of, of our clients and, and their investors and their clients.
0: You know, it's funny you bring up so many of the points that, that just sort of tend to come up in this podcast. Uh, we talk a lot about career development, especially in the ETF industry. Uh, how this industry continues to grow and thrive and be amongst the fastest growing portion of the financial industry. You also bring up an interesting point that comes up time and time again. ETFs tend to thrive and break down barriers during times of significant market stress. You mentioned the 2007, 2008 time period. Even now in this sort of uh, historical moment where we're entering bear market territories and possible recessions, I read a report that in the last week, the only place that continues to bring net cash flow in is the ETF industry. So ETF's continue to sort of thrive in these uh, time periods, you know uh, you know boom as well as bust. Is there something that an advisor out there, someone listening in on the pod- podcast, Might be surprised to learn a little bit about your role and some of the some of the work that the XTrackers team does over at DWS.
1: I would say yes. And I would actually very much invite all of the advisors listening if they're curious to come and engage with us, because I would say the one thing that also keeps me here in the seat is the flat hierarchies that we have. There is. Essentially, we're all very hands-on, and including my my global boss Fiona Bassett, who runs the passive business here. Globally, we're very much involved in all decision-making processes. Uh, we try to socialize all of our decision-making as much as possible. We we really value the input of all of our team members, from the more recent joiners to the most junior team members to the more senior team members. Uh, all all opinions are very much welcome, and and that, frankly, um, you know, let's let's call it and I think it's been well written about the democratization of investments and the role that ETFs play in this is really something that we take seriously, not by vir- not only by virtue of the products that we deliver and the ETFs that we make available to our clients under the extrackers brand, but also by way of the culture that we want to instill here. Because you know, we, we don't want, you know, anything top down, steep hierarchies, the person at the top leads. It's it's very much that we're all in this together. If the person from the top, we're, we're all we're expected to lead from the front, you know. So uh, it is very much my pleasure to be fully engaged in advisor-led conversations, to be at the conferences, to be available. That that's really what um, what we're all about. Uh, the 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 one thing that I quite desperately want to avoid is that we who lead the business or who've been entrusted with leading the business, we're out of touch with reality and, and we're in some kind of ivory tower. That, that to me personally is a bit of a nightmare scenario. So I, I want to do my utmost to be as engaged and as available to our client base as I
0: can possibly be. Yeah, let's stay on the topic a bit because, you know, the DWS X-Trackers lineup, well known, well established, but certainly has changed over the years. Could you talk a little bit more about some of the evolution of your ETF uh, lineup, the ETF business? Yes, with pleasure. And and for my comments, I'd love to focus in particular in
1: the U.S. because of of course, you know that's what I would expect to be the most relevant. So if you look at the U.S. portion of our business, we're relatively young. the the ETF brand, extracus brand that we have now was launched here in two thousand eleven. And between 2011 and I would say 2015, so for our first four years, we were really known as the currency hedge guys. We had a very strong lineup of currency hedged equity ETFs in particular, so international equity exposures with a currency hedge overlay. Some of the ticker symbols that might be familiar to you and and our audience here might be DBEF, which is the currency hedged IFA tracker, DBEU, which is currency hedged Europe, or DBJP, which is currency hedged Japan. And really... Um our current success and our current lineup really banks on those. They were the foundational elements of our U.S. platform that were laid in 2011, but really only came to thrive in the years of quantitative easing abroad, in particular in Japan and in Europe or, in the, or the Eurozone in particular, where you had equity markets locally going through the roof, local currencies tanking, and of course, you know, Given that uh, those dynamics are both at play in an unhedged framework, people who were invested abroad, U.S. investors who were invested abroad, realized all of a sudden that although local markets were going through the roof, their bottom line didn't really move because everything that they gained on equity, they lost on currency. So we at the time really had the right product at the right time. We raised assets. I want to say in 2015, going from just under five billion in the beginning of the year to being just under 20 billion large at the end of the year. So really, it was a hugely successful year for us. Um, of course, we also did realize at the time that being a one-trick pony is all well and good when that one trick is in demand. If that trick is out of favor, you know we're out of luck. And and given that at the time the currency hedge trade, as was known, there was some uncertainty how long that currency movement together with the equity market could be sustained. So we made a big effort in diversifying our product range from 2015 onwards, which is actually one of the reasons why personally I came over and and why I'm, I'm actually so enthusiastic about having come over. Because what we did, sort of banking on that currency hedge lineup, we built out a range of very strong Fixed income ETFs, in particular high yield ETFs, you know, HYLB, HYUP, HYDW are some of the tickers. And really, HYLB launched in 2016, disrupting the duopoly in the high, in the high yield bond space here in the US by essentially com- bringing together, uh, bringing to market a Me Too product and at significantly disrupted exp- expense ratios. We're now H Y B at 15 basis points, really is a commodity fund, several billion dollars large. Uh, separate to that, uh, one of the topics we really wanted to own for ourselves is the topic of ESG or environmental, social and governance conscious investing. Um, us as a European firm, for us, it's critical for us on the agenda globally. And we want to be seen as being on the Vanguard here, uh, being on the front here leading, uh, that conversation with regards to our ESG product range, we now have ten products, uh, just over four billion dollars in terms of assets under management in those ESG products, and and really that is an important uh, component for us as well. And last but not least is is China or unhedged um, emerging market exposure, where with ASHR we have essentially one of the largest and most liquid. Uh, China products here in the U.S. So we we've chosen our segments well. Uh, we do not compete with plain vanilla products such as you know s plain vanilla S&P 500 exposure. We have s which is the ESG version of it, but we do not compete with let's say the likes of SPY or IVV VOO. Um, that that is not something where we can add value. So we we anything that advisors can see from us, you can you know rest assured that we've thought well. That we want to compete and how we want to compete in the market. and, and, And we intend to bring a very clear value proposition to the market and advisors here.
0: Yeah, I mean, clearly, Arna, you and the team have continued to innovate. You, you, you're tracking exactly where advisors plan to be before a lot of times people are thinking about that. You know, here we are in 2022. When you look at the markets right now, are there places that you're saying, hey, this is where we need to innovate? Uh, this is where my team is focused on product development.
1: Yes, so so something that is you know front and central for us and I alluded to that already is the topic of ESG or environmental, social, and governance related investing. And um, of course, here in the U.S., the conversation on that is does not take the same shapes as it does in Europe, uh, where a lot of the conversation and a lot of the asset flows are almost regulatory driven, uh, driven by regulation. Here, it is more a desire by Investors and financial advisors to be well informed and to be uh, conscious of the fact that non-financial metrics, which typically tend to be uh, to be found in the ESG world, actually do have an influence or can have a significant influence potentially on financial outcomes of companies. So, how do we integrate ESG data points into sound financial decision making? processes. And that is something that we want to be a partner to asset asset managers, asset owners, as well as financial advisors to um, not only a product provider. Of course, we want to be a product provider for that, but we want to be much more than that. We want to be a thought leader. We want to be a partner. We want to be uh, someone who can offer resources. So um, with that ambition, of course, our product development right now is, is very much focused on this. The overall scheme of things, I would characterize as we want to give a very similar looking toolbox with ESG metrics that is available on the non-ESG side. So to give you some example, we have the S&P 500 ESG ETF. It was the first one here in the US. S&P E is the ticker, is, you know, uh, close to 800 million dollars, large, so substantial, and really is a plain vanilla, you know, large cap core type of exposure. Following on from that, there's the MSCI EFA ESG leaders, which just is a transposition, if you will, of standard MSCI EFA international exposure. Same for emerging market. The slicing and dicing goes on on the fixed income side. We're looking to bring to market additional sort of widgets, if you will, to allow uh, financial advisors to really transpose their Investment process that they have already established on the standard, you know, non-ESG side into an ESG world, and and be able to offer comprehensive portfolios to their to their clients there.
0: So when you look at twenty twenty two, we're we're in historic volatility. Uh, seemingly, no part of the markets can escape what's happening in in the space. Right, we're seemingly in a bear market in almost every category. What what do you look at when you're speaking with advisors, you know, and what do you say, hey, here's the biggest challenge for 2022, but here's how investors and advisors should be managing their risk?
1: Right. So so that's always a little bit tough to pick the biggest challenge out of the many challenges that are out there. And I would I would say one of the the. One of the key challenges that probably is front and center of everyone is is inflation. And um, of course, another one is, let's say, the fear of recession and, and possible market downturns that are related to recession fears. And and both of those components can be addressed slightly differently. You know, do you want to be long standard nominal bonds in an inflationary environment? It's not that advisable. It is quite a a, a good suggestion to do that in a uh, let's say market downturn that is more uh, led by 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 fear out of recession. So we're we're calibrating these conversations. A lot of our advisors on their side looking at possibly real assets that could be in the form of free exposure or otherwise. Uh, for the purpose of mitigating possible inflationary impacts on their portfolio. Or then, you know, for, for those who really want to simply protect the portfolio and don't necessarily have a desire to move into cash, what are some options around uh, standard nominal bonds? You know, it could be investment grade bonds um, uh, for those who 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 are a little bit more Risk oriented, you know, what are potential options in the emerging market space? What are potential options in the high yield bond space? Um, And you know, th- those are ongoing conversations. I unfortunately don't have a, a crystal ball or a great tip. Uh, I know I'm asked that often. You know, what is, your, what is your best thing at the moment? I tend to shy away from these. I, I, I like to keep the conversation a little bit more nuanced and tailored to the specific requirements of, of each individual advisor or, frankly, each individual portfolio.
0: Let's talk about another piece, though. You know, you mentioned this earlier in, in the evolution of the DWS lineup, the idea of, of currency hedging, because that's certainly a topic that's in play today. It's something that people are starting to look at, whether you look at inflation, perceived inflation, higher interest rates. Suddenly, currencies do come into play. More and more advisors are looking at a global portfolio in front of them where they're starting to think about currencies. How should advisors think about FX? How do they think about hedging? What 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 do you usually share with them in terms of best practices? I, I love that you bring up that question in that conversation,
1: Doug, because it's extremely relevant. Having come over here from, from Europe in 2015, as I said, I realized very quickly that by and large, uh, US American clients have a very significant I would I would call it home bias I don't even necessarily want to call it a bias because I think the significant overweight of US assets in client portfolios makes a lot of sense uh, for US American investors simply out of you know currency risk you know considerations if if you think about and I will get to the equity side in a moment but if you think about the fixed income side for a moment why is fixed income in a portfolio generally speaking it's for the purpose of risk mitigation. It's for the purpose of being able to somewhat predict returns with limited volatility inside a portfolio. That you get if the currency that your fixed income asset has is the same currency as your liabilities. So essentially, let's say if you're an end investor, you have certain bills to pay, be that tuition or you're saving for retirement. Typically, your liabilities here in the US tend to be in US dollar. Therefore, on the fixed income side, you know, you invest in U.S. dollar denominated assets. As soon as you deviate from that, it's no longer really a fixed income. It is a variable income because all of your coupon payments, your principal repayments are converted from a foreign currency back in the, into the U.S. dollar. So you move away from fixed income into variable, fix, uh, into variable income. And um, so I, I just make that illustration leading to the point That as soon as you introduce foreign assets into the portfolio, you have more than one risk or return source. That is the same for fixed income as it is for equities. So naturally, what that means, any desire to diversify equity exposure is naturally one of the natural options is to move away from U.S. assets into international stocks. Uh, You know, you can take. You know, the German market, you can take the European market or you can take the MSCI EFA as a broad benchmark for developed markets or emerging markets. It's it's all the same. And um, what not many people realize is as soon as you diversify internationally, you all of a sudden have two sources of risk in your portfolio. You have the stock return and you have what happens with the currency that prior, I would say prior to 2014, 2015, was maybe understood but the dynamics were not well recognized and in particular in that environment when both of those risk sources go in completely opposite directions they cancel each other out you diversify it but you don't actually gain anything so in addition to this what what i would say is do you really want to have both sources in your both sources of risk in your portfolio and if you if you do that's well and good the only thing i would say to this is have a view on on it are you being compensated for that risk because you have a view on the equity you know you invest in german equities be that bmw volkswagen or whatever because you like that company but when you do that you implicitly also take a bet on the euro if if you do invest therefore in the foreign stocks you must have a view on the foreign currency is it going up, is it going down, is it going sideways? Be conscious of what your view is, be conscious where it's going. If you decide that you do not want to take a view, if you decide that, frankly, it might go down, or you don't even want to take a risk of taking it, of, of the currency going down, consider a currency hedge position, why? Because all of a sudden you have a, a product, a, an investment vehicle that gives you exposure to the equities, and mitigates the risk from a foreign exchange perspective it, it makes it it makes for a potentially much cleaner version of being exposed exposed to international equities than having a position if you will of equity risk and currency risk so so those are those are conversations that we very much encourage advisors to approach us on and uh, we have tons of white papers together with our uh, research team from the research house DWS research house that show what are the effects on the individual markets be that you know if more broadly Japan in particular or any any, uh, foreign market, and and are investors being compensated for the two sources of risk that exist in in unhedged portfolios? And if they're not, you know, we encourage them to consider a hedged position.
0: Yeah, I so, so powerful. And for those advisors listening in, again, I encourage you to go to the website dws.com or or you can Google any of this. That the team, Arna's team puts out just tremendous research. And I think your your point you made around you're making an expression or a decision around investing, you you also need to think about the second piece of of that investing, which is do you have an opinion on the currency? And the fact that that the DWS X trackers offer solutions on both sides of that opinion and you can choose is so powerful and, and a very important part of being an advisor. When when you look at the market right now, Arna, and you say, Boy, some things can look negative, those those negative items oftentimes are opportunities, you know, and and for When we look at the markets, when you look at opportunities, are there ETFs in your lineup that you say, hey, these are potential solutions to seize the opportunities in the market today?
1: Yes, uh, I would say there's a bunch of them. And and to your point, we saw this, especially this year, um, exposure such as Chinese equities or U.S. denominated high yield bonds being significantly under pressure. The flip side of that is now high yield bonds carry a very substantial yield. And for investors who believe that some of the the risks in those markets overstated, the the carry or the yield available from that exposure can provide a a, a very interesting element of of diversification for their portfolio. Similar for, for Chinese stocks, in particular, you know the the current and most recent talk around potential easing around U.S. tariffs. You know that could be potentially supportive for for Chinese companies uh, as well as, of course, for certain U.S. names. Um, but you know there they, every every drawdown tends to, as you say, Doug, uh, present a possible opportunity for for future development. So um, you know there there is pain in the market. That is for sure. If I, if I remember back to, we were re- reminiscing a little bit earlier, if I remember back to my starting years, 2007, 2008, and then 2009, there was significant pain in the market back then. And at the same time, there was significant opportunity for, for those investors, advisors that positioned their portfolios, their clients' portfolios correctly at the time to participate in, in the rebound and, and in the bull market, frankly, that then followed uh,
0: from then onwards. Yeah, I uh, always reminds me of my grandfather. Every time uh, my grandfather would always say, "There, there's you know, there's a positive in every negative," and I guess that was just a, a different way of saying there's a silver lining. But uh, it didn't matter what I had to say to him. He always said, "No, no, no, there's a positive in there. You have to go find it and uh, really shape me into who I am today." Is there an ETF, Arna? You look at in your lineup and you say. Boy, every investor, every advisor, they should know about this ETF. It just, for whatever reason, hasn't gotten the spotlight that it should have and, and we should be talking about it.
1: Absolutely. And, and thank you for giving me that platform. So I'll, I'll, I'll shoot my shot, as they say. Um, the, the, two tickers, the two tickers that I would highlight here uh, are, in fact, uh, mid-E, M-I-D-E, and small e, S-M-L-E. Um, both of them are ESG funds uh, and they're actually in my opinion very unique ESG funds because uh, mide mide tracks the S&P midcap 400 ESG index and smle tracks the S&P 600 small cap ESG index uh, both of those exposures in particular midcap arguably are very interesting exposures uh, and and historically if you if you look back uh, several several years midcaps tend to outperform large caps, um, fairly interestingly with a, with a, you know, on a, both a risk adjusted basis, as well as an absolute basis. Uh, So, so those two funds are relatively new in our lineup and, and in my view have not yet
0: received the deserving attention that uh, I would love for them to have. Perfect. A good opportunity for advisors to, uh, to go do a little research on the DWS website. Along those lines, you know, investors, advisors, they're out there. You mentioned about engaging with you and your team. Is there a right way to be contacting your group to, to talk more about whether it be ESG, your ESG lineup, your fixed income lineup, currency hedging, how to think about that in a portfolio? You know, What's the best way that that, that, that relationship should kick off? Yes,
1: I would say, make it as personal as you can, so if you know someone who works at DWS, if you have a, a regional sales representative and we have around about 40 forty four zero regional sales representatives across the country uh, that uh, that sell both you know alternatives uh, passive which is which is our ETF business lineup or actively managed mutual funds. So if you if you do have a contact, or please make sure to reach out to them. We want the personal touch points. That that in my opinion always serves best. If if you're not so much into having the personal touch points or if you want to do a little bit of research on your own, I would very much encourage you to go to our website. That could be dws.com or it could be extrackers.com, it could be etf.db.com. All of those URLs lead you essentially to the same thing. And um, and and there's a, as Doug as you were saying before, we have a ton of resources available there. There's also, of course, you know, group email boxes. We make sure to to be as responsive as we can. Uh, if you if you fancy, please do. Also, of course, also feel free to get in touch with myself. Uh, we are. We're, we really want to make sure, and, and personally, what I, the message that I really want to make sure I bring across is that we are approachable. Uh, we want to be a partner to you. We do not want to simply push product onto you. It's, it's not a you know cookie cutter sales process that we want to follow, but we want to make sure that we use and utilize a consultative
0: effort and, and process in, in our client engagement. Yeah, perfect. And, and of course, it, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, if it is before uh, the Inside ETFs event in Florida, I know the DWS sales team will be there. Uh, they have a booth. I'll be there as well and hope to see many of uh, the advisors there. That is a wrap on this edition of the Inside ETFs podcast. As a reminder, you can find this episode as well as many other episodes of the Inside ETFs podcast on the New York Stock Exchange's website, homeofetfs.com. Thank you, Arna, for being here to share your insights. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes featuring thought leaders from across the ETF ecosystem. I'm Douglas Jonas, head of exchange-traded funds at the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. Schwab Asset Management is proud to support the Inside ETFs podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, they offer low-cost core ETFs for building the foundation of a diversified portfolio. Their focused lineup, which includes market cap index and strategic beta ETFs, is a reflection of a commitment to deliver exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com forward slash ETFs.